0: so glad you're here today. If you've got your Bible, I want you to take it. Turn with me. Psalm 23, Psalm chapter 23. All right, you got it. Psalm 23. We're, uh, now let me make my statement first. I've never, all my years of, since I've been, uh, since I stopped being a criminal and started following Jesus, in all my years, I was arrested by him. In all my years, I've never met a person that's never heard of God. Ever. I, I don't, I've never said, do you follow God? Do you love God? And people go, I've n- never heard of God before. I've never met a person that's never heard of him. I've met very few people that know what he's like. I've never met a person that's never heard of him. I've met very few people that know what he's like. That's why we're going through a series right now called Show Us the Father. Show Us the Father. And this is based on John 14, where a man said to Jesus one day, he said, show us the father and everything will be fine. And Jesus answered him in verse nine. And he said, he's been standing right beside you for two years. You didn't know it. Well, the most shocking statement, man said, show us the father so we can see what he's like. And he said, have I been with you so long? You didn't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And uh, how could you? walk, and by, this is one of his disciples. How could you walk with God for two years and not know it? So obviously what he thought God would be like was real different than what he was. Let me say that again. What he thought God was like was real different from what he really was. Well, every one of us was lied to. What's the first lie ever told in world history? You'll find it in the first pages of the Bible. God created man Put him in a beautiful condominium. Garden. Y'all need to get outdoors. He put him in a garden. We were born to live outdoors. Put him and his wife. Put him in a garden. Said, be fruitful. Do well. And in the next chapter along came a liar and lied about what God was like. And they believed it. And we've all suffered ever since. But he sent his spirit and he sent his word to say, no, that's not what I'm like. Here's what I'm like. And in his word, his spirit takes us wonderfully. And he shows us, and we're, right now we're in what's called the 23rd Psalm, and he paints pictures. He paints pictures of what he's like, and our hearts go, I see it. I see that. Yeah. And in the 23rd Psalm, we read that the Lord, now we believe the Lord is our Savior. If you want to go to heaven, he has to be your Savior. Yes. And that's pretty important right there. If you want to go to heaven, he needs to be your Savior. If you want a great life, you have to make him your shepherd. Yes. He can be your Savior, not be your shepherd. Right. But if he's your shepherd, I shall not want I I say preachers are wrong who say he never promised to meet your wants, just your needs. What does it mean? I shall not want. He'll give you the desires of your heart. All right. He makes me stay in the nursery. (laughs) No, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know if you knew this about sheep. What's the only time they'll lie down? When they're not afraid, they're secure and they're taken care of. The moment a sheep gets nervous or senses fear, he jumps up. Just like most animals. What's my father do? Keep me nervous and on edge. He lets me relax and lie down. He re- listen, God don't beat me up. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me. What are you looking for in life? He'll get you there. Whatever you're looking for in life, marriage, family, career, he'll get you there. He leads you in the right paths. And then we talked last two weeks. I'm walking through a dangerous place right now. This world's nutty. I have no fear whatsoever. Hallelujah. He's right here. Yes. Amen. His rod and staff keep me relaxed. Today, my favorite, verse five, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love he prepares a table before. Let me ask you, what's God like? You say, well, he prepares a table, but he's the type of guy to prepare a table. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Today, we're going to talk about dining with dad, dining with dad. Me and my girls have a standing date every Friday for lunch. Every Friday. Now, my son doesn't come because he's a boy. Uh, now I'm, he lives in Moorhead City, so he can't come. And this past Friday, my older daughter, she had to office in Chapel Hill. So me and my younger daughter, we met at the soda shop in Graham for lunch. Wonderful place. Great food. Nice people. I'm not advertising the soda shop. I'm just telling you all to go there. Wonderful place. <laughs> and we went there and we ate. Now, listen, me and her ate. We a little over an hour we sat there. Listen, let me, let me tell you something about me and her getting together. I'm her father. I'm her father. I didn't fuss at her one time. I didn't tell her what to do. She didn't ask for nothing. Oh, happy day. All we did was just enjoy each other. That's all we did. I I make her laugh. She's hilarious. We have the best time. We just carry on and act like two teenagers. I had the best time. We just enjoyed each other. Does anybody know the biblical word for when two people get together, just enjoy each other? What's the biblical word? Fellowship. Fellowship. That's what the table is. We did not come there so she could get money from her daddy. Them days is over. When I said to that boy, better or worse, I meant it. She's all yours now. We just got together to enjoy each other. That's all we did. That's called fellowship. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Uh, Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that you can believe one of two things? Either you were created by God or you're, you're, the, off, you're the product of biology. God. I may believe you are created by God? Oh, yeah. right, that's pretty easy. Here's the big one. Why? Why were you created by Him? I didn't have my children to work for me. You were created by God for many things because 1 Timothy 6.12 tells us He gives us a lot of things to enjoy. But the primary reason you were created was to fellowship with God. Oh, yeah. That's your primary reason for creation it's the thing you're going to do for all of eternity is to fellowship with God. There's not a bit of difference in this world between me and my daughter getting together at the table for dinner every Friday and enjoying each other and fellowshipping with God. That's exactly what it is. And you were created to do that. Now I've talked to people about this through the years. I remember a young man one time and he said, I I understand we're supposed to obey God. It keeps us out of trouble. I understand we're supposed to serve him because he's been good to us, but Preacher, I I just really struggle with this idea of the God of the universe wanting to eat dinner with me just to enjoy me. He said, my own daddy didn't like me. I just really struggle with this thing that that God Almighty just wants to be with me. Do you think he created you to work for him? He created you as the object of his affection. He created you to fellowship with him. That's why I say Of all the things he does for me, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, let let me help. Let's let's work on this for just a second. Can a human being actually have fellowship with the God of heaven? Can you actually fellowship with God? All right, let me lay a little foundation for those you've never seen this before. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me just take a little bit. I want you to just think about Think with me today on this. Let your heart think about this. We were created to enjoy eating with God. And the biblical word is dining. You see this over and over in the Bible, dining. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter one. Uh, a man told me one time, I just met Jesus and I'm speaking in churches. A man said, son, son I, I, believe you, I believe you got a call from God on your life. Well, let me make an announcement. Every believer has a call from God on their life. Everybody's got a call from God on their life. You don't see it. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful. By whom we were called. There's a call on everybody's life. By whom we were called into what? Fellowship. fellowship of His dear Son. God's got a call on your life. And He, he faithful. He's working. What does He want to happen? To, for me to go to Botswana and preach? Or for me to be a missionary? or me to be a, a pastor? What does He want me to do? He wants me to eat with His Son. Right. He wants me to have fellowship with His Son. What does it mean God is faithful? He's working toward this. He wants you to fellowship with his son and he's working in your life to make it happen. Faithfully working. All right. How many of you believe that parents should get to pick out who their children marry? I'm all about it. I've got years of experience on this. And uh, when our children started, they got dating. Man, I, I was all up in that stuff. I scratched a few off as soon as they came in the door. I did. But one time my son, he was in NC State. He brought home a young lady from State. Within one day... I knew this is it right here. This is the one I want right here. And I went to work at it. I'm, I'm being serious. I went to work at it. Everything I could do to bring them together. That's what it means. God is faithful to bring you into this relationship. with this. God's working to bring you to his son for fellowship. For what? For fellowship. Turn the, does anybody here know why the Bible's even written? Right? In my early years, I'm not being cute. I thought the Bible was written to, to mess my life up. I did because they drugged me to church and everything I enjoyed, the preachers were against. Just, that's all they talked about is what they were against and how it's wrong to do this and wrong to do that and all that. It's like they just got my life and read it. And all they did was talk from the Bible about how it's wrong to smoke and wrong to cuss and wrong to drink and wrong. And I thought, well, what's left? I just thought the Bible was meant to mess your life up. I didn't know. That is not why the Bible's written. Does anybody know why the Bible's written? Turn to 1 John chapter 1 and look at it. First John chapter 1 is where he tells us this is why the Bible was written. Notice the Bible's written not to learn, although you learn from it, and I do, we do. The Bible's written with a purpose. What's the purpose of the Bible? It's in 1 John chapter 1. Watch this. First John chapter 1, he talks about God is real. From verse 1, he says, I've touched him. He, he's not a concept, he's not a doctrine. He's real, I put my hand on him. Verse three says this, 1 John 1, 3. That which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have what? Fellowship with us and our fellowship is with who? With the Father and with his Son. John was sent to preach the gospel. This man was sent to preach. He said, you know why I'm telling this to y'all? So you can have fellowship with God. What's verse four say? These things we write to you why is the Bible written? These things we write to you that your joy might be full. Yes. So you put those first four verses together, it says this God's real. And we're writing the Bible so that you can have fellowship with God. And what does it say is the result of a person that learns how to have fellowship with God in verse 4? What's the hell happened to you? Joy. The joy. This Bible's written. This Bible wasn't written to mess my life up. This Bible was written to bring me joy. Yes. By what? Learning how to fellowship with God learning how to enjoy God, learning how to sit at the table with him. Um, let me show you one more. Turn with me to Revelation chapter three, just a few pages to the right. How many of you think that God might want something from you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I made you, I'd want something. Well, what is it he wants? I want you to watch. It's in Revelation chapter three. Remember, Revelation is where we get a revelation. Revelation is where he reveals himself to us. Where we. Revelations where we really see what, he's, what his heart is, what he's like. And Revelation chapter three, verse 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door of his life to me, I will come in and some Bibles say sup, some say dine, some say fellowship. You know what God wants from you? He wants to eat dinner with you. He's I." I've never heard this before. Why aren't you glad you came today? Yes, sir. Was, what does the Bible say? Revelation 3.20. I want to get into your life. Why does God want into your life? To mess it up? No. To dine with you. I'm, I'm, matter of fact, he, you're not chasing him. Who's chasing who in that verse? Jesus. You're not knocking on his door. He's knocking on your door. Right. Listen to me. If you have any idea that there might be a God, that's not you. That's him. The Bible says nobody seeks after God unless he starts it. Nobody comes to me unless my father's drawing him. If you have any interest in God at all, he's knocking on your door. Amen. So what does he want? We'll read it. He wants to enjoy you. And he wants you to enjoy him. He wants to fellowship with you. And the Bible's so clear about this. I don't know. Uh, let, me, let, me just, let me just give you a couple more. I, this, is a new, this is new for folks. So we need to really get grounded in scripture in this thing. In Luke chapter 15, we find a parable called the parable of the prodigal sons. Anybody remember the prodigal son? He departed from the father. He raised hell. He lost all the money. And he came back home to be a what? A servant. He said, I can't be a son anymore. I'm not worthy. He said, I'll be a servant. And he came and told his father, I just want to be a servant. Why do you want to be a servant? He's starving. He said, the servants are throwing food away and I'm starving. All I want to do is be a servant. But the father was having none of it. And the father grabbed him and kissed him and he said, dress him up. Come let us eat and be glad. My son was dead. Now he's alive. Now he is. See, a lot of us just want to be a servant of God. What's God want? Now I want you to eat with me. I want you to enjoy eating. And I want you to be what? Come let us eat and be what? Glad. I, I don't know if y'all knew this or not. He is really in a good mood. <laughs> you wouldn't know that listening to some Christians or watching. Some are listening to preach. God is glad. So well, it's not right to be glad. Can I quote the last verse in that passage to you? And God said, it is right for us to be glad. Because you were lost and now you're found. He was far from me and now he's close to me. That's Luke chapter 15, verses 23, 24. All right, go back with me. All the way, we won't even look. I'll just quote it to you. You remember I said in the garden, God put man in the garden. Yes. For what? He said, tend the garden, do this. And then an unholy being got in that garden and he lied, and it messed up the relationship. Yep. Listen to the next verse. And God stepped down into the garden in the cool of the day, the evening, the cool of the day, and he said to Adam, where are you? Yeah. I mean, you know he who knows everything don't ask anything to find something out. Right. He knew exactly where he was at. Well, why do he say, where are you? You know what he said? why did you not come meet me this evening? Yeah. Every day, every day, he'd step down in that garden, and God Almighty and the man and the woman would walk in the garden and they would talk to each other and enjoy each other. But on that day, the man didn't show up. And God said, why didn't you come meet me today? He's been speaking to humanity for thousands of years now. Where are you? Why don't you come meet me? Why don't you come visit me? Listen, people can, people can visit with God. Yes. I'm not talking about learning about him. I'm, not talking, about, I'm talking about enjoying him, True. visiting with him. Yes, All right. Number two, there's a couple. Of, I mean, let me mention this. I'm going to deal with this Wednesday night. There's two things you can never do at the same time. Two things you can never do at the same time. You can never have dinner with dad and dinner with demons at the same time. You cannot fellowship with God and with demons at the same time. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to talk to you about that Wednesday night. It's very important because this, in my non-scientific observation, I see that today Christians are dining more with demons than they are with God. We'll deal with that Wednesday night. But By the way, let me just say this. You don't need to dine with demons.
1: Not
0: Not good for your heart. You need to dine with the Father. And you need to meet Him. All right, since this is teaching day, let me do this. Okay, Brother Brian, I want to try it. What do I do? Where do I need to go? Where's He at? If you knew that Jesus was at a coffee shop in Graham this afternoon... Let me say, if I knew that Jesus was at a coffee shop in Graham and he was sitting at that coffee shop, I'd go there. If I couldn't get up to the table, I'd sit at a distance and watch. But if I could get right up to the table, I'd be there. All right. How do I actually do this? Let me just teach for just a second. All right. Decide you want to start meeting with God by yourself. You want to meet with God and you want to enjoy him and, or dine with him, whatever you call it. Number one, you got to get alone. You got to get alone. Mark chapter one, verse 35. And Jesus rose early in the morning and departed to a quiet place, a lonely place. And there he prayed. The habit of Jesus was to get up every morning before anybody else did and go to somewhere where he wouldn't be distracted, where it was quiet. I think that's where we get the word quiet time from. And he would go there and he would just meet God. You don't think he went there to confess his sins, do you? He didn't have to. He never sinned. He just went there to enjoy God. So you got to get alone. And listen to me, we've we got to get the... America has become a very loud place. For 6,000 years on this planet, it was quiet until just about 50, 60 years ago. And now it's a very loud, distracting place. Everyone's, the voice of God is quiet. That's why you've got to get quiet in a quiet place. Turn the radio off, turn the racket off. That's why it's good first thing in the morning for your spirit. I mean, your emotions get all stirred up, your mind gets all stirred up. And get along to a quiet place and get still. You ever heard this? Be still, and you'll know that I'm God. Got to get still on the inside. Number two, you say, okay, okay, I'm I'm here. I I found me a quiet place. The Bible says in Matthew 6, go into your closet and shut the door. It don't mean your literal closet. Well, I couldn't get in mine because I share it with this chick I live with. uh, But it just means go into a place where nobody's at. Go into your closet, close the door, and talk to your father who's in secret. Just go to a quiet place. What do I do when I get there? I'm here. It's not quite the way you start. It is very important how you start talking to him. Let's look in the Bible and say, turn with me to Psalm 95. It is very important. My sister was coming over for dinner last night and there was a new bypass around Asheboro and she missed it and she called me. I said, well, you can't get here that way. It's very important. If you're going to draw close to God, you got to take the right exit. Yeah. You got to start right. There's a way to do it. And the Bible is pretty clear about this. Psalm 95. Look at me in Psalm 95, verse 2. It says this, let us come before his presence. Stop right there. What does that mean, come before the presence of God? um, I, I hate to get theological here on you, but I have no choice. There are two presences of God in the Bible. One is called his omnipresence, which means he's everywhere. Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from the spirit of the Lord? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I dwell in the deepest sea on earth, even there your hand will be. There's no place you can go he's not at. Do you understand that? Right. I mean, he's everywhere. He, the Bible says he fills heaven and earth. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Right. You, you're not going anywhere he's not at. But that's not the presence this is talking about. There's another presence. And it's called the manifest presence. James, uh, John chapter 14, Jesus said, love me and walk with me. I will manifest myself. And listen to me, that's when you feel God. He, manif- he makes himself plain. to You feel him. You can sense something just changed in the atmosphere here. Uh, we used to sing an old song that goes like this. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. And it's when you could feel God in the room. Uh, we sang another one went like this. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know it's the presence of the Lord. The, the manifest presence is when he reveals, he shows himself to you him and you go, he's here. And what did he say? What did that, what Psalm 95 say? Let us come before his presence. All right, how do you come before the presence of God? Let's read Psalm 95 five two. Let us come before his presence with what? Dear ones, thanksgiving is the door to where God is. Yeah. Psalm 118, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. It's just as surely, now my daughter's always my daughter. I always love her, but she lives in Gibsonville and I live in Eli Whitney. And she's always my daughter. I always love her. She can talk to me on the phone. I don't like talking on the phone. But if she's gonna enjoy my presence, she has got to come where I am. Do you understand that? Right. I'm always God's child. He'll always love me. But if I'm gonna get where he is, I gotta go somewhere. Right. And it's not a geographical location. It's called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is how you get to where he is. You get alone, you get quiet and you get the stuff out of your mind. Listen to me carefully. You don't ever start time with God focused on the stuff. God is just terrible down here and it's just awful and my mother-in-law is moving in, looks like, and I ain't getting, you'll never know God like that. You don't start with the stuff. Listen to me. You don't start with you. I'm so sorry that I'm such a low down. I'm such a sinner. You're not going to get in his presence. You start with him. On him. I start my day every day. I, I get my little mess done. And then I get along and I go, I want to thank you that I'm alive today. I want to thank you that you've smiled on me. I thank you that you love me. I thank you for hope today. I thank you for the peace I enjoy today. I'm so thankful for my sweetheart. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this home you've given us. Thank you that I live in a free land. Thank you that I found mercy at the cross. And you start out giving Him thanks for who He is. And as you begin to do that, you'll sense something just changing the atmosphere and you'll sense a sweetness and a quietness come. And you'll sense God draw close to you. Listen to James chapter 4. Draw close to God and He will draw close to you. Some Bibles say draw nigh to God. It means close. I'm going to quote that again. James chapter 4. Draw close to God, He'll draw close to you. Now listen to that verse. Who starts it? He doesn't start it. You draw close first. And when you draw close to Him being grateful, focused on Him, He'll draw close to you. And you'll sense Him draw close. And the sweetness comes as we begin to thank Him and praise Him. And uh turn the page, Psalm 100. Look with me, Psalm 100. Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. What's these words? Come before His presence. The creator of this universe has invited you to come visit with Him. And to enjoy him. Uh, my mama, bless her dear heart, she was still alive. I'd call her, she said, When are you gonna come see me? I can remember being at Pa's funeral, Kay's grandfather, I called him Pa, I loved him dearly, and I went over and sat down beside Granny, and I said, well, I was talking, I said, Well, Granny, we love you. She said, You do? I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, How come you don't come see me? <laughs> oh, how I love Jesus, I just don't ever wanna go see him. <laughs> You know, look at those words, come before his presence. That is the greatest invitation in the universe. Come where I am. And all through, these, all through the Psalms, it talks about drawing close to God. That's why they're written by David. But you come before God with gratitude, thanksgiving for who he is. Focused on him, thanking for who he is. And then you get in his presence and you enjoy him. You don't, you don't, listen to me. We got to get off this, how do I do this stuff? It's a relationship. When my daughter and I meet, we don't have have a program. She said, you're going to do the program for lunch today? Y'all do the program. 12 to 1205 introduction. (laughs) We don't have a program. We just get together and enjoy each other. We've we've turned this thing into a business instead of a relationship. Are you with me? Spend time with God thanking Him that sweet presence comes. And then, listen to me. You don't need to meditate on your problems. You need to meditate on His truth. This is the best way to do it right here. We give these little cards out. and This is simply who he is. And you just sit there and said, Father, I just, I want to thank you that you love me. Thank you that you are peace. We got to, listen, turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim Amen. in the light of his glory and grace. We got, to, we got to quit being problem focused and start being king focused. It, it'll change you tremendously. And You you know what this is called? Meditation. When you get along with him and you thank him and praise him and then you meditate his truths. Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the wicked, stands in the path of sinner, or sits in the seat of the smart aleck. But his delight is in the goodness of God. And in that goodness, he meditates day and night. Meditate means to think slowly and ponder over things. And he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Bears his fruit in his season his leaf will not wither. Listen to these words. Whatever he touches will prosper. How would you like for everything you're into to prosper? Marriage, business, everything. Where does it come from? Meditating with God. And you just meditate on his truth. You can do this. You need to meditate that too right there because you need to find out who you are. Or you can take your Bible. But I'll probably get a dirty letter for saying this. I'm not dirty, ugly letter for saying this. I'm really not a real big on this read the Bible through in a year stuff. If you want to do it, fine. It's not going to hurt you. Dude, you don't get to know God reading the Bible through in a year. Because you're going to get to Abimelech, Beget, Halimelech. And then he Beget, Malimelech. And then they quit Begetting for 10,000 years. And I, that's, I'm sorry. Leviticus will kill you. Get in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and say, show me who you are. And you meditate on, the, and you're, at, you're waiting, you're in his word for him to speak to your heart and show you things. Right. And he'll do it. And then you transition to what? Prayer. When you meditate his truth, that's God speaking to you. And when you pray, let, let me help you with something here. we got two guys sitting at a table. Aren't you with me? Two guys sitting at a table having coffee. One's the smartest man that ever lived. One can't find his car keys half the time. <laughs> Who should do most of the talking? Think about it. Who should do most of the talking? The smart guy should do most of the talking. Prayer is not talking to God. Prayer is listening to God. He's the smart one. He needs to do most of the talking. He's done it right here. And we need to hear his goodness over and over. And then you transition to prayer. And you, listen to me. Pray from the heart. We need to pray from the heart. This, this, uh, I got to pray. Don't bother. Pray from the heart. He'd rather hear three words from your heart than to hear two hours of bradling on. I would. You know, if my daughter called me and said, oh, I heard I was supposed to call you dead to you. I love you, love you. That'd bless my heart. That's good. No demons, Pray from the heart. And if you want to, I do. I use the pattern in Matthew 6 and Luke 11 when he said, when you pray, say this. Father, thank you for all you've done for me. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life my family, my church, the other things I pray for. Thank you that you're going to provide for my family today because you're faithful. Please forgive me my sins. I don't want anything between me and you. And I thank you that I can forgive people. I'm not going to be mad at anybody because I like enjoying my life. I like sleeping at night. And I want to praise you and thank you that you broke Satan's back at the cross and you disarmed him. And you will surround me and you'll deliver me and my family and my church and no weapon formed against us will prosper. I live for your kingdom. I want the one built by your power. And I long for the day Jesus is glorified in the earth. Yes, and I, you can use that pattern. But the main thing is, don't rattle it off from the heart. Amen. This is a relationship from the heart. And, uh, but let me say something. It, as you practice, you, you learn. How many of you know you grow in relationship? Amen. Does anybody remember the first time you went out with your sweetheart? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Three people I remember the first time you went out with your sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time with my sweetheart, you're a little nervous. You know why? Because you, you want an impressor or him. You want it to go good. So you try and that's when you mess it up. But that's the way I was the first time. I was a little nervous. We'd been out for eight minutes and I totaled the car, ran into something in front of me. <laughs> took, took my other car, got pulled by the police coming home. I wasn't I wasn't concentrating. But we've been together 42 years now. We've learned how to communicate at a different level than we started out. Same thing with the father. I can, she can give me one look and I get it. Good or bad. Y- y'all understand this. There was you, he is, he's a person. You grow in a relationship with a person as you try to communicate with them. Listen to me. He's not a doctrine. He's not a book. He's a person. And you can, you can learn a lifestyle. You can learn a book. But you have to have a relationship with a person. He's real. And, uh, but you'll learn as you go. All right, let me, uh, let, me, let me take a minute here. What happens if I begin to meet with the God of heaven and enjoy him? What happens to me? All right, watch this. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. You don't do it because you have to. I don't go with my daughter because I have to. I'm a grown man. I don't do anything. I don't do it to get anything. I pay every time. I get what I get out of it. The joy of being there. All right. Philippians chapter two. How do you know, how do you know if you're fellowshipping with God? Philippians chapter two. I want you to listen to me carefully now. Dear ones, a lot of people wonder why Christianity is not working a lot of times in America. This is the reason. Philippians chapter two. I want you to look at these words. Perhaps you've never read this. Therefore, if there's any, does your Bible say consolation? It's the Greek word Encouragement encouragement. If there's any encouragement in Christ, tell me what the Bible says is in Christ. Encouragement. Is anybody here could use some encouragement from time to time? All right. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort in agape love, anybody here need to be comforted once in a while? Any what? Fellowship of the Spirit. If any affection, and mercy. Can you see there that you can fellowship with the Spirit, dying with the Spirit? You said, now, Brother Brian, I'm confused. Are we fellowshipping with God, with Jesus, or the Spirit? You've seen all three verses this morning. The answer is yes. They are one. Don't, don't get too hung up on this stuff. The, the Lord is the Spirit. But we fellowship with the Spirit. Uh, tell me the four things that happen to me if I learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be comforted. What's affection mean? Affection's not love. Love's a decision. Affection's when you do feel something. I'm gonna feel the love of God, and I'm gonna experience the mercy of God by doing what? Fellowshipping with Him. Those are the four things that happened to me when I began to fellowship with Him. I don't, uh, I don't know anybody that couldn't use His kindness like that. Let me point out uh, one other thing. You know how I can know? I'm gonna give my trade secrets away here. One of my trade secrets away. You know how I can know preachers that spend a lot of time with God and Christians that spend a lot of time with God. You know how I can tell? It's not hard. You know how I can tell? You can tell by the smell. I'm fixing to give a bad illustration. My wife's not here so I can use it. She'd be mad if she heard it. When you hang around certain people, something just gets on you. All right, I'm in my country church years ago, a long time ago, and we had a lady in that church, and she was old. She's older than dirt then. I mean, she has been in heaven for years. I'm just 20-some, and she just had this smell about her. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just that smell. And I thought, I don't know if she sprayed it on or what she did, but she just had to smell about her. And she loved me. And she, she was a hugging machine. She just, and she'd hug you and hang on it. Well, she called a hug. We used to call a half Nelson in wrestling. It was sort of like that. <laughs> and, and she'd grab you and she'd just hang on. And then she'd tell you things and just hang on. And just, she just wallowing on you what she's doing. Well, she's 40. I mean, she's 40, 60 years older than me then, me Mina. And, uh, but it, you couldn't, if she did that, you'd come away smelling like her. I'm sorry. told he' was a bad illustration. I'd come on, with my wife said you have been around so-and-so hadn't you? She could tell that I'd been around you just get around some people, something just rubs off on you. You get around God, something rubs off on you." The answer is in Psalm 16:11, "In thy presence were we not invited into His presence, in thy presence is fullness of joy." you, know, you can't get away around God, and not come away with joy. When I see preachers, they're mad and they're all ill because everything's rotten. They might know the Bible, but they don't know the king. Right. I'm sorry. There was, I need the joy of God. This is what Nehemiah 8.10 says. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you need strength for this day. You get it in the closet. It comes from his presence. Was, if you say, well, I spent my quiet time with God. No, you didn't. I don't know who you was with in there, but it wasn't him. There was, listen, listen. Bible true. Bible true. In thy presence is fullness of joy. One of my all-time favorite songs, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear. The Son of God discloses. That means He shows up. He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me, I can't believe you can't do no better than this. He don't talk like that. Listen to me. Please listen to me. You'll always be shocked at the mercy of God if you get in His presence. He's not mad. You'll always be surprised that what you're worried about, he's not. You'll be shocked at his kindness. And the joy we share while we tarry there. When you meet God, you come away with joy. And everybody needs the joy of God in their lives. A joy in his hope. That's, let me me do just a little bit more. All right. If you begin to meet with God and grow in it, let me tell you something that's going to happen to you. You're going to be changed by meeting him. Not, with, not knowing Him. You're not changed by getting saved. You're changed by spending time with God. All right. Many people talk about trying to become more like Christ. Christians should become like Christ. It's not working out. You can't do it. You're not supposed to try to be like Jesus. My last preacher said I was. Why aren't you glad you're here? Show me in the Bible where you're supposed to try to be like Jesus. It's not there. I want you to listen to what the Father said in Romans chapter 8. Whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to His Son. Not to conform themselves, to be conformed to His Son. He called. He justified. He glorified. He changed them. Right, the key verse on this is 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the beauty of the Lord, spending time with Jesus, are being changed. Glory to glory, little bit by little bit, by the Spirit of the Lord. verse we're we, we're changed by being around Jesus, not by trying to become like Him. You know, you can go to a foreign country and hang around people without even knowing it, you'll start talking like them. Like, you know, Massachusetts. So you go up there, Boston. You go to Boston. And you hang around them people for long without even trying, you'll start talking like them. You won't see it, but everybody else will see it. Come back down here where we talk normal. There's you this modern American stuff where you're supposed to try to be nice and all that. That's not Christianity. Listen, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amen. Not you trying to be like him. Yeah. But you spend time with Jesus. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You'll become more like him. You won't even see it. But other people will. We're, we're changed in his presence. Changed from glory to glory in his presence. All right, let me give you one more that happens when we're around him. You get hanging around him, stuff disappears. Stuff just starts disappearing. Here's the great, let me give you one of the great verses. I love this. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Fear, worry, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness. All that stuff just disappears in his presence. And you come away. You can go into a meeting with him all nervous and upset about the future and come back out and not even remember you got one. Just looking for answers, looking for answers. You come back out, you forgot to question. In his great kindness, did he not tell you he'd take care of you? Can you not cast all your cares on him because he cares for you? How many times have I gone, gone in a meeting with him, just this thing and that thing, and I'm going to go in there and get answers. Come out, don't even remember why I went in there. Just so excited to be alive and so happy in Jesus. And really just don't even give a rip no more. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Uh, let me give you one more. Hallelujah. Let, me, let me just show you something sweet for a minute. John chapter 13. If, if you don't meet with God, it's not going to work. John chapter 13. It's a few moments before Jesus is arrested and killed. He met with his fellows for dinner the last time. And remember this is called the last supper. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Listen to Luke chapter 22, verse 15. Jesus knows I'm fixing to be arrested within two hour, a couple hours. Tomorrow I'll be killed. Listen to what he said in Luke 22:15. 15. I have greatly desired to eat this dinner with you before I suffer. Yes. Listen to the creator of the universe right before he fix, he's fixing to get killed. What he won't want anything else. I just wanted one more chance to be with you before I die. What's the heart of God? To be with his people, to eat with them. And uh, you know what happened? They ate. Then he took off his uh, teaching robe and he put water in a bucket, pan, and he began to wash their feet. You remember that? Oh, yeah. And he got to my friend Simon. Oh, Simon, you ain't washing my feet. Uh-uh. He wasn't being ugly. Just think about it. Think about it. Simon's sitting there. God Almighty is not getting on his knees in front of me. I can't. God's not going to wash my feet. Right. I ought to be washing his. You get it? I don't blame him. I'd be the same way. This, this, And Jesus said to him, listen to what he said, what I'm doing, you don't understand. If I don't wash you, you can't walk with me. Simon said, do my hands and my head. I, you got to love Simon. But listen to what Jesus said. Listen to what he said. He said, no, he who is bathed needs not bathe again. He just needs his feet to be clean. Listen to me. Jesus says that to me and you. He said, you got to let me wash your feet regularly. You don't need to be saved again. You're already saved. But you walk through this world and you pick junk and dirt up. You need to to come to me regular and let me clean it off. If you don't let me cleanse you, you have a hard time walking. We need to go to Jesus to get clean. We need to go to Jesus to get refreshed and helped. He's not the rule maker. He's the fuel we live on. He is the life we live by. And it only comes by being with him. Uh, Let me give you one more, which means there's two more. Isaiah 40. Those who wait upon the Lord right. shall renew their strength. Yes. They'll mount up with wings like an eagle. We need the strength of God. It's there, but you don't get it unless you go to Him and get it by waiting in His presence. Yep. Got to do that. And then let me give you the last one. This show, not the last one. I promise. Start there. Let me close my Bible. You'll notice the last one. This, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to say it. When you begin to spend time with God and meet with Him and enjoy Him, Good things just start happening in your life without you trying. I can't explain it. It's very scripture, but, but things just happen out there. Listen to John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. Spend time with me. He who abides in me bears much fruit. Things just happen out there. You can't explain it. It just takes place. Let me give you another one of the greatest promises. This hit my heart years ago. Matthew 6, 6 says, go into your closet, close your door. Talk to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you publicly. You get alone with God in that closet. God will cause things to happen out there in your life. Things will happen out. Everything we're trying to do out here by striving and struggling and learning, it all goes back to the closet, to the quiet place with God, to the private place. Everything needs to be born back there. All right, I want to tell you a story. Uh, And it's, it's it's a janky story, but it's pretty good. I'm sort of goofy, but it's pretty good. I got to illustrate this thing. Psalm 235. 5. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. All right, here's my story. A little small town and there's this fella, and he is one of the nicest guys. He's just wonderful. He's selfless. He's, he's gracious. He's kind. He's good. He's just a wonderful young man. And he sees this young lady and he thinks she's beautiful. You're with me. So he starts, he likes her. But there's a problem. There's a problem. She's dating this goober. I use the word goober. I'm trying to think of words I can use in church. He, he, she's dating this goober and he's terrible. He treats her awful. He's a liar. He abuses her. Why she stays with him is a mystery. I've been, all my life, I've been wondering why certain people stay with certain people. It's none of my business. And, and, and the guy's just awful to her. And this, this wonderful guy, would, he, he adores her. You say, well, it's not right for him to take her. What are you talking about? I would. I'm, they're not married. They're just dating. So he begins to talk to her. They're talking. And he begins to talk to her, and he steals her heart, and he steals her away from ding-dong number six. <laughs> I'm running out of words here. <laughs> he steals her away from that clown. Are you with me?
1: Yeah.
0: And he, he treats her like royalty. Yeah. He loves her. He dotes on her. He talks to her. She's having the time of her life. Story's not done yet. He finds out that Goober number eight just got a job as a waiter in a nice restaurant their town. So what does he do? He calls down there and makes a reservation. And he takes her to that restaurant and he sits down there with her and he makes that clown watch him be good to her. Are you with me? That's my life. That's my story. I was dating this guy, I was tied up with this guy. He was a liar. He abused me. He treated me terrible. But the greatest man that ever lived saw me and loved me, mm-hmm. began to speak to me and wooed me away from that fool. That's Colossians 1:14. He has transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And not only did he win me to himself, he treats me like royalty. But not only that, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy and he makes my former fool watch him be good to me at that table. He said, Jesus wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he would. He loves that kind of stuff. And he just, and, and let me tell you something. I like it too. But what's the problem? What's the problem? All right. My sweetheart and I we was watching this Hallmark movie, which proves I'm a good husband. Can I get a witness? That means I'm a good man. Do I need to tell you what the movie was like? No, because you've seen one. <laughs> now, in all, let me be honest. She spends more time watching the Yankees than I do to Hallmark. So she's a better woman, better wife than I might. So we're watching this movie. When that Hallmark movie, you know what happened in it. Everybody does if you've seen one. And this guy fell in love with this girl and he's, he's wooing her and courting her and carrying on her. She agrees to have dinner with him. And so he gets the restaurant Her, Then he's sitting there, he's got a real fancy place. He got it all set up and he's sitting there and he's waiting on her. And he's waiting on her and he's waiting on her and she never shows up. Uh Finally, after a while, he just leaves some money on the table and leaves disappointed. Dear ones, he has prepared a table before you and he's waiting. And he's waiting. But you got to show up. He won't be mad. He loves you. Could you imagine finding out that I missed the reason I was created because I never learned how to talk to God. I never learned how to enjoy him and spend time with him. If you'll, if you'll carve this out and start as a discipline, it'll become the delight of your life. Yes. It'll become the joy of your life. Now, everybody know he knows where you're at. If you've got an hour, great. If you're a busy mother raising three children and working, you're not going to have an hour. He'll meet you where you can.
1: Yes.
0: He'll meet you with what you got right now. But he, the desire of God's heart is that you come talk to him yes. and learn to talk with him. Let's talk to him. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you. This is the greatest mystery in the universe, I think. Yes. As King David spoke about it, he said, what is man that you are so mindful of him? Who am I that you care about me? Who am I that you would want to come down with me and you pay for it? But I praise you and thank you for this great truth. I wasn't created to work for you. You'd snap your fingers one time and do more than I could do in 10 lifetimes. You don't need my money. You don't need You don't need anything from me, but you created me to love you and to enjoy you and walk with you. And I thank you and praise you. Dear Jesus, I I pray for every person in this room. I don't know if they're great Christians, been Christians 50 years, or they they don't even believe in you yet, wherever they're at. I pray that they would know that there's a call on their life and it's to be in fellowship with Jesus and that you're working to do that. I pray they just, so you know, tomorrow morning, we'll get up a little early. And I'm just going to go get alone and try this, this relationship. Father, I want to pray for believers that knew everything I've said today, but somehow the busyness has stolen away the relationship. That they say, I need to get back to Him. You're just so good. Thank you that there is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God. But we've got to go to it. Thank you that there is a fountain, there is a source, there is bread from heaven, but we got to go get it. I want to praise you for your goodness. Thank you for being so kind to us. I love being with you. The joy of my life is not preaching or, or fishing or even family. It's new. Thank you for everything else you've given me, but thank you that Jesus is real and he can be enjoyed. In his precious name I pray. Amen.